Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Okay, James continues to write his letter to the churches, and in chapter 3 he writes, Not many of you should become teachers. Somebody say teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are also large and are driven by strong winds they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs so also is the tongue it's a small member yet it boasts of great things how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire verse 6 and the tongue is a fire a world of unrighteousness the tongue is set among our members staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, it can be tamed and it has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Verse 9, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Does the spring pour, pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. A few more verses. Look at verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. If you have a bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James chapter 3, what a chapter. That alone is like a little mini sermon from James so much to take away let's talk about it for the next 25 26 minutes let's see what the holy spirit intended to say through the hand of james as he wrote this letter today i titled this message don't sink the ship don't sink the ship why don't you turn around and tell three four people around you don't sink the ship come on additional seating all line don't sink this ship. We're going to pray and then we'll talk about this for a few moments and then we're going to pray. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here and 
We're going to have some time of prayer and worship at the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for your grace, your love, your compassion toward us and with us. Thank you for this day. Thank you for every service, every person connected and watching in every location. Thank you for all that you're doing in this place, in our family. Thank you for Calvary Church. We believe the best is yet to come. Thank you for the letter of James as you speak to us, for us to become better human beings, more like Jesus. We pray that you would open our eyes to see you today. We love you. And we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name that all of Calvary Church says? Amen. Come on, all of Calvary Church says? Amen. Can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. As the 1940s were getting started, World War II had started. And all of the countries that were involved were in disarray and confusion. We were all fighting each other, and it was, it was terrible, terrible times. Around that time, as World War II began to increase in pressure, and everybody felt it, soldiers that were serving in the war began to get notices from the army to be very careful on how they used their mouths or their words. In fact, a memo was sent out to all the soldiers on the 10 things that they should be careful in sharing. And this went out across all the military bases and Every soldier serving got this memo. But right at the very end, at the bottom of the memo, this phrase was written out. And the phrase said, loose lips sinks ships. Loose lips sinks ships. In other words, what the military was trying to tell the soldiers is, be careful what you share, be careful what you say, because you could put a whole country in danger by oversharing. Now, I know um, today we kind of say it in a, in a funny way or a humorous way. Back then, it, it was not funny. It was very serious. You could potentially put your nation in danger by oversharing or saying something that could hurt the safety of your people. But I think there is some truth to that. Be careful with the words that come out of your mouth because you could sink a ship. Yeah. This is exactly what James is talking about in now chapter three of this letter. I, in fact, I think we should bring some of the posters that they put up around World War II and some of those memos back. And some of us, we need to hear, hey, loose lips sink ships. In other words, be careful with your tongue and the words that come out of your mouth because you could destroy your future, destroy your family, destroy your marriage. Don't sink a ship with the words that come out of your mouth. That's what James is trying to say. Words do matter. What we say has huge impact. Are you following me? In fact, they say that human beings, we will talk a whole lot throughout our lifetime. How many know that we talk a lot? One study said that most of us will talk one-fifth of our lifetime is spent on just talking. Anybody know somebody in your family that talks about three-fifths, four-fifths of their lifetime talking? <laughs> Don't point at them. But some of us know some people that talk more than others. My sister, um, like they, they'll just talk. They, they have the gift of talking. They can just talk. One-fifth of our lifetime will be spent talking. In fact, that study said that we talk enough to fill 132 books in a year. They say in a lifetime, it'll be about 3,000 books that we can fill up with the words that come out of our mouth every single day. 
all of us, we talk, we talk. And so James is saying, since we talk a lot, pay attention to the words that come out of your mouth because they could be dangerous. Pay attention to what words you use, how you use your tongue, because it can be used as a weapon. How are you using your tongue? How are you speaking? Words do matter. In fact, I, I've been in situations where I've overspoken or I've misspoken. And Have you ever said something and you wish you could take it back? Have you ever been in a conversation and you just don't know, like me, I, I don't like silence. I'm, I get awkward when there's silence, so I have a tendency to start asking questions just to make conversation. And sometimes I'll make the conversation more awkward by what I say. <laughs> it ever happened to somebody? Have you ever, in a moment of anger, sent a text, and when you're sending it, you're like, why did I just send that? Oh, my God. You want to you send it back, and you see the bubbles show up of the person about to respond, and you're like, I wish I can take these back. I'll never forget, I was in a meeting one time, and it was several pastors. We were in this meeting. This is many years ago, but the, the, the meeting got a little, a little heated. It got a little tense, and we were all discussing this issue that we were trying to solve, and I heard some things that didn't sit right with me, and I felt like I had a just cause to say something, but the way I said it was not the proper way. I, I said something, and I'm like, uh, I just burst it out. I said something, but I said it in a moment of anger. And I said some words that perhaps weren't the best. I didn't curse. I don't curse. But I said some angry, some angry words. And I'll never forget, after the meeting, a pastor pulled me to the side. He goes, hey, let's be better. We are statesmen now for the kingdom. I'll never forget that. But we got to be careful because when we speak, our words, they carry weight. I was in, on a Friday night. I was at youth uh, preaching one time. And uh, I'm, I'm at youth. And it's this powerful, beautiful Friday night. And toward the end, that whole night, I was preaching on sin and shame, sin and shame. And toward the end of the message, I'm getting ready, and we're praying. The Holy Spirit is moving. It's a beautiful service. All the students, everybody, we're all crying, boogers out everywhere. And I keep repeating, sin and shame, sin and shame. And I said it so much, my tongue got twisted. Sin and shame, sin and shame. And I said it so much, I combined the two words. And I said, it just sounded really weird. I'm not going to, you'll finish it. But let's just say all the students that were full of the Spirit of God, they just all looked up. <laughs> Pastor just cursed on a Friday night. Like, this is terrible. It was the worst mistake ever. Our words matter. There is weight to our words, how we use our tongues. In fact, today, I put it this way. Small words can still make big impacts. How we speak, how we use our words, how we use our tongues. You may think it's just a word. I'm just saying something. How many know they have a big impact in life? All of the words, how we speak to our spouse, our family, our kids, small words still make big impacts. God is into words. God cares about the words that we speak to one another, to our kids, to our families. God is into words. How are you speaking? What are you sharing? In fact, some things that you say may assassinate people's character. You can build up or destroy. The tongue is pop. I mean, just think about what you can do with the tongue and the mouth. You can proclaim. You can preach. You can unite. Oh, come on. We can inspire. We can encourage. We can build up. We can just change a generation by the way that we speak and the words that come out of our mouth. But that same mouth can tear down can destroy, can kill, can separate, can bring dissension, poison. 
Out of that same mouth, blessings and cursings, James says, that ought not to be. God is so into words that the Bible says that God hates seven things. If you're, if you're here and you're like, God is so cute, so awesome, he just loves, he does, but how many know God also hates? Only three people here said amen. God also hates. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, God hates six things. Actually, it's seven. That's the way it's written. He actually hates seven things. Out of the seven things he hates, three of them have to do with our mouth. It says that he hates a lying tongue. He hates a false witness. And he hates somebody that stirs up dissension or division. God is into our words. Be careful, little mouth, what you say, because the tongue has power. Are you following me so far? And I think today we just got to think a little bit and say, what have I been speaking? What words have I been using? How am I using this weapon that God has given it? Am I using it for good or am I using it for bad? Some of us, we know that words can destroy. And, and I really believe that there's people here today here additional seating online, wherever you're hearing this, I really believe that there's people here today, you're living in the prison of words that were spoken over you. Yeah. I really believe this. And yesterday as I was going over the message one more time, I felt that in my heart. There's people here today, you're still locked up and in bondage because of a curse that was spoken over you, because of words that defined you at a certain age. Maybe a mom or a dad said that you weren't never going to amount to nothing. You were always going to be the lost one, the confused one, the black sheep of the family. You weren't going to be up to no good teachers that spoke over you. Oh, you're this and you're that. Or there's some of you in here, you're living in the prison of your own mouth. Not what somebody said, but the words that come out of your own mouth. I can't. I'll never amount to anything. I can't do it. In fact, it was your mouth that caused the divorce. It was things that you said to your kids that caused a disaster to happen and the vision to happen. Now your kids don't want to talk to you. Our own mouth gets us in trouble. And some of us here, we're a witness. We're like, yeah, my mouth has gotten me in trouble. I've said some things. I've lashed out. I've hurt people. God hates. How many know God also heals? Oh, come on. I said, God also heals. And God is a restorer. And God is a healer. If you're here today and perhaps your mouth got you in trouble, your mouth tore down some things, I want to tell you God wants to restore. God wants to heal. God wants to transform. God wants to bring healing. We're words about confusion. Come on. That's the God that we serve. And so if we want a tongue that speaks blessings and builds up and encourages, it all begins with the heart. Somebody say the heart. In fact, I'll put it this way today. To have a tamed tongue, you need a pure heart. Lord, help me with my tongue. Help me with my mouth. I don't want to continue speaking to say, it starts with the heart. We need a pure heart. That's what James is speaking about in James chapter 3. I love this letter, and I love that we took time this fall to study this letter. And again, we're almost past the halfway point. I hope you've been studying it and reading it more than just coming and listening to a message. Get in your word. The book of James is so good. James is a confronting pastor, a challenging pastor. I thank God for pastors in my own life that are like that, and they call me out. And James is calling all of us out throughout this whole letter. Remember, he's writing to a church that had to leave Jerusalem because of the pressure that was happening, the persecution. So they all packed up their stuff. The kids grabbed their PlayStations and Xbox. They all headed out and they moved to different cities of the known world. James, as the pastor in Jerusalem, he was the pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He's Jesus' half-brother. 
who didn't come to faith until after the resurrection. In other words, he's like, my brother's not Jesus, the Messiah. And when he resurrects, he's like, you're the Messiah, right? He's now the pastor of a church. Jesus has ascended. He's writing to all the churches and he's saying, although we're separated by location, we're still united by faith. We may be separated by location. You may be in another city right now. You may be somewhere else, James is saying, but our faith unites us and you need to represent Jesus wherever you go, whatever city you live in, whatever workplace or office you go to, you need to be a representative of a different kingdom. I don't represent the United States. I represent the kingdom of God wherever I go. Oh, come on, I wish I had a witness. I may be Costa Rican, but I'm a citizen of heaven, and wherever I go, I represent my Father. Can I get an amen? amen? And so James is saying, hey, be mature in your faith. Represent Jesus well. Chapter 3, he's coming to step on some toes. He's like, are you representing Jesus in your break room at work? Are you representing Jesus at the barbershop? Are you representing Jesus when you go hang out and have brunch with the girls? <laughs> Right, like James is like coming for us. I know we're separated, he's saying, but, but we should all be talking the same. And we should be talking words of wisdom and words of love. Are you following me so far? That's what James is saying. So he's writing to all these churches and he's saying, hey, watch your words. Remember, this book is all about maturity. Somebody say maturity. He wants us to mature. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be 15, 20 years in the faith and still not be mature in my faith. So he's saying, hey, mature. So chapter one, he says, mature Christians are resilient. You have joy in trials. You can be triumphant over temptations. And you are a doer, not a hearer. And then chapter two, he says, mature Christians are real. Somebody say real. real. In other words, you don't show favoritism or partiality. He says, we love everybody. We have living faith, not dead faith. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Now he gets to chapter three and he says, mature Christians are restrained. You, know, you have self-control. You're a mature Christian, you have self-control. In other words, you don't open your mouth and say whatever comes out. A mature Christian whew, is restrained. I don't know about you, this is a good challenge that I need. <laughs> In other words, James says, your tongue is the gauge of your maturity. You're a Christian or you're a believer? Cool. How do you speak? That'll show me your faith. That'll show me how long you've been walking with Jesus. Are you the type to curse out your spouse or mistreat your kids? Are you the type to create dissension, assassinate characters? If so, you may be a very immature believer. How do we speak? How do we talk to one another? It's a good question. I think all of us should take some time this Sunday morning to kind of just reflect and say, how's my speech? How's my words? How do I use my tongue? Am I building up? Am I tearing down? What are the words that I'm using? If I've been walking with Jesus, I should be talking like Jesus. And so James is writing and he's like, hey, right at chapter three, he's saying, hey, some of you, uh, you shouldn't be teaching. You shouldn't be teachers because those that teach are held at a higher judgment. Are you following me so far? This is how he begins chapter three. He's like, hey, by the way, uh, he just talked about living faith and dead faith. And by the way, if you have living faith, try not to teach unless God called you. There's something about church culture that everybody wants to be a preacher, right? Everybody, and I think more than preaching, everybody wants a platform and you gotta be careful with platforms. 
And what I've noticed lately is a lot of people want authority. They don't want accountability. And there's a difference between the two. I never wanted a platform. Most of us on team never wanted. I didn't want to get on a platform. We didn't want a platform. It's a good call, but make sure it's a God call. Otherwise, all you want is authority with no accountability. And so James is saying a lot of you shouldn't be teachers because when you teach, you have to speak a lot. And all of us stumble when we speak. And so he's saying, be careful how you speak. And I think what he's trying to focus on, it's the fruit in our life. Listen to me, Calvary. I think a lot of us, what we do is that we focus on gifting. I want to prophesy. I want to preach. I want to be up on a platform. We're obsessed with gifts in the church. And I think we overemphasize gifts and we underemphasize fruit. Oh, we want to prophesy, speak in tongues, jump on one leg and turn around. I'm all for that. I speak in tongues. I pray in tongues before I get up here. I'm for that. But what good is it if you speak in tongues when you get down off the platform, you curse your brother or your sister? That James is saying, that's not the way it should be. Then don't teach. Don't be a teacher if you can't control your tongue. Are you following me? And so he's saying, don't just focus on the gifts, focus on the fruits. Pastor Skip Heisen put it this way. The biggest problem today is not speaking in tongues, but controlling our tongues. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? The biggest problem is not giftings. A bunch of us speak in tongues and prophesy, and we love the gifts of the Spirit. The problem is controlling our tongues and how we speak about one another and what we say about one another. Ooh, it's really quiet at 11 a.m. today. I know, I know. James is coming for our next. And so James is saying, hey, hey, don't teach. Because your words do matter. They carry weight. And if you're going to teach, God is going to hold you to a higher standard. And he's going to make sure he weighs out your words. All right, then he continues writing. And he's going to talk now about the power of the tongue, the problem of the tongue, and the purpose of the tongue. Are you following me? He's going to talk about the power, the problem, and the purpose. Say that with me. Come on. He's going to talk about the power. He's going to talk about the problem. And he's going to talk about the purpose. Come on, say that one more time. He's going to talk about the power. He's going to talk about the problem. And he's going to talk about the purpose. So he continues writing, and he's like, let me tell you about the power in the tongue. I put it this way. Today, if you're taking notes, and we're about to land the plane in a few moments. Number one, he's saying the tongue has the power to direct. The power to direct. And he brings up six examples. He breaks them down by two. He says, have you ever seen a horse, or have you ever seen a ship? They are both controlled by something extremely small. Horses, I don't know about you, have you ever been next to a horse? Horses are massive. I remember I went to this prison one time to preach, not because I got arrested, but I went to this prison. <laughs> they called it the farm, and they brought out these massive horses. Clydesdale, I think that's what they're called. Right? And these things are giants. That horse is controlled by a small bit in his mouth. I went to Columbia several years ago, and I've shared this story before. In Colombia. We were out there hanging out on vacation, and a friend of ours goes, I got a good idea. Let's go ride horses. And I'd only ridden a horse once in my life, and I'm like, that sounds like a good idea. Let's go. I'm, yeah, I can ride a horse. I love horses. Yeehaw. Let's go. <laughs> and we go out, and they bring out these horses that were massive. And the horses are coming, and the guys riding them, these guys are Colombian, like, gurus at horse riding and they're making the horse go left and they're making the horse go right and I'm looking at all that like okay I'm about to I'm about to control this bad boy it's gonna be awesome they gave me the craziest horse he was out of his mind he I honestly think he was possessed by a demonic spirit 
everybody gets on their horses, and here I am trying to get on my horse. And as soon as I get up on the horse, I'm like, let me try to do what the guy is doing. <laughs> I couldn't control the horse for nothing. The guy's like, if you have fear, the horse is gonna feel fear. I'm like, don't tell me that. I am only gonna get more fearful. We started going downhill immediately. He's all right, let's go, let's go. I don't even have control of my horse. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going downhill. And as soon as we're going downhill, my horse is going crazy. The legs are sliding. Literally, the horse is sliding. And I'm like, but the horse is sliding. And the guy's like, it's normal. I'm like, it's not normal to me. We passed by this gate, this fence that was open. I promise you, I grabbed onto the gate and the horse kept going by himself. <laughs> I stayed hanging. I remember that day, I was just, I was blown away how these massive beasts are controlled by such a small bit in the mouth. Same thing with the boat or with the ship. The other day we were at, with Jesus and we were riding his boat and when we get back, I see how he's parking his boat. He does it with a little joystick that controls the engine or the rudder. He's saying you can control boats and you can control horses, but you can't control your tongue. If you get it under control, it'll, it'll change the direction of your life. With a small bit, you control where the horse goes. With a small rudder, you control where the ship goes. With this small tongue, you can control the direction of your life. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Our words have power. The power of life and death. What direction do you want to go? Basically, your tongue is the steering wheel to your life. One preacher said, most of our problems come from our neck up. It's the thoughts in our mind and the words in our mouth that get us in trouble. Today, what words are getting you in trouble? Perhaps they're leading you down a bad direction because you keep speaking negative. You keep speaking faithless talk and hopeless talk. Today, if you don't like the direction of your life, maybe you need to change the direction of your tongue. There's power in the tongue to direct your life. Look what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have this great high priest called Jesus who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our what? Let us hold fast to our? That word confession in the Greek comes from the Greek word homoloheo. Breaking down in two, homo means same, loheo means to speak or to say. In other words, hold fast to the same thing that God says. Speak like God is what it's saying if you want to hold on to your faith. The Bible says he who believes in his heart and confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord will be saved. To confess, to say the same thing that God says. What does that mean? That when you say Jesus is the true son of God, I'm a sinner. Today I put my faith. When you say the same thing that God says about your life, about sin, and about Jesus, you become saved because you're speaking like God. Some of us, we're speaking everything that's the opposite of what God has spoken over us. The devil doesn't even need to help us. We're helping him. We're just like, my life is terrible. I'm never going to amount to anything. I've messed up every good thing in my life. My marriage will never succeed. There's no recovering. I'm never going to get up out of this financial rut. What you're speaking is not the same thing that God says. You need to get up in the morning. You need to grab every promise in the Word of God. And you need to say, I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. I'm blessed. I am the righteousness of Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. I am on top and not beneath. I am victorious. I'm more than a conqueror. 
favor. I am the righteousness of God. I walk in blessing. I'm a child of God. I got angels on my side. Oh, the devil can't stop me. I'm more than a conqueror. I speak blessing. I walk in blessing. God protects me. God looks out. Come on, somebody. You need to speak. Speak with the word of God in your mouth. Like some of us, we're just giving the devil alley-oops all day. James is saying there's power in the tongue to direct. Number two, there's problems of destruction in the tongue. He brings up two more examples. He says, your tongue is like a fire. And then he's going to say, or like a wild animal. The two next examples. A fire, he says, starts with a small flame and the whole forest catches fire. There's somebody on our team that when they were 18 years old, almost burned down their whole college. I'm not going to say who it is. Arlene. Um, 18 years old. At 18 years old, Arlene was in Bible college. And one night, she, she told us a story a long time ago, and I asked her if I could share it. One night, she says she's up late reading her Bible as a good Christian woman of God. And um, while she's reading, she falls asleep. I don't know how spiritual she was, but she fell asleep. Her lamp stayed on, and it fell on the mattress, and it started a small fire. That small fire... I mean, literally, her whole mattress was on fire, and she jumped out of the bed. Her and her roommates had to leave. She said, I mean, this thing was so fast. Her whole floor caught on fire, and she almost basically burned down the whole dorm. All the students needed to... It made the local newspaper the next day. Unidentified 18-year-old, almost burns down Bible College in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Arlene Pestano. Right. You, that fire didn't start because she had a flamethrower and just, it was a small flame that started. 1871 in the city of Chicago, a small fire started in a barn and they couldn't control it. The fire spread so much, it destroyed the whole city. The Chicago fire was one of the worst ones to ever exist. It left 100,000 people homeless. Listen, it left 100,000 people homeless. 300 people died. The city got $400 million in debt because of this spot. It was just a small flame in a barn. James says, you have a small fire in your mouth. And literally he says, some of you, basically what he's saying is, some of you are not going to hell, but you're speaking like hell. And it's catching your whole life on fire. He literally talks about the circle of life. He connects all of life in James chapter 3. And he says, what you are speaking, that fire you're starting, is setting up the rest of your life on fire. Some of us know, we know the power of destruction. We're walking in it today. Our words have destroyed everything around us. <sighs> Everything's burned down because we've been angry, violent. We've lashed out. We've been negative. We've been faithless. Everything has come crashing down because of our mouth. Proverbs 26 says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossips, conflicts calm down. But like adding charcoal to embers or wood to fire, quarrelsome people kindle strife. Some of us, you know what we're doing? This is what we're doing with our words. Just adding more to the fire. I'm just, just speaking negative, speaking faithless, and our whole world is on fire. It's like that meme with that little dog that's at the table saying, this is fine, and the whole world is on fire. Like, no, everything's not fine. You're burning down your life because your tongue is like a fire, and you can't tame it. He says, it's like wild animals. You ever gone to like a show where they have these crazy animals that aren't supposed to do what you're seeing? You're like, how do they tame these animals? We used to go to this aquarium. My wife now is the biggest 
killer whale freer. She would go swim into every aquarium and open every gate and free every whale. But back in the day, we used to attend. And it's like, how do they tame a killer whale? Sometimes they don't tame them too good and they take down the trainer. Um, you, can, you, can, you can tame these wild animals. And then James says, but you can't tame your own tongue. I have, I have this crazy dog named Maggie. I have two dogs. One is a German shepherd named Zion. He's saved, baptized. He loves Jesus. I can train her. He's learned how to do everything. I have this other one. It's like a, a mixed dog that we got from the rescue. She's awesome. I love her. Don't get me wrong. But, but she, she still doesn't know Jesus, and she needs a lot of correction. Finally, I feel like we're getting breakthroughs. She's finally, like, starting to, like, you can train wild dogs. You can't train your tongue. James is saying, you need the wisdom of God. Be careful because in the tongue, there's the power to direct and there's the power of destruction. Are you following along so far? And he's going to finish with this last thing. And he switches over to talking about wisdom. You want to tame the tongue, you need wisdom. He's going to talk about the purpose of the tongue. And the purpose is to display the wisdom of God and the love of God. And the last two examples, he says, is a fountain and figs, fountains and figs. He says, oh, some of you, you're, you're like a fountain. When you go to a fountain, there's no way you can get salt water and fresh water out of one fountain. He said, but some of you, you're speaking blessings, but out of that same mouth, you're speaking cursing. He says, that not ought to be so. That's contrary to nature. Your tongue is not tamed. You don't have no wisdom is what he's saying. Some of us... We say we know God, we've walked with God, we can prophesy, we can speak in tongues. You know, we lack wisdom, taming the tongue. We can throw all the titles around of how long we've been walking with Jesus and what we do, but if you can't tame the tongue, you're in serious trouble. You got zero wisdom. He said, how can salt water and fresh water come out of that fountain? And he says, or oh, you're like a fig tree. You go up to the fig tree and you expect to get figs, not olives, he says. Or if you go to a vineyard, have you been to a vineyard? You look for the grapes. He goes, you're not going to go to the vineyard and look for figs. It makes no sense. And here's where he's going to make a connection between wisdom and the heart. Listen to me. We're about to land the plane. We're almost getting, almost getting there. Brunch will be ready by the time we're out. He's saying, listen, your heart and your mouth are connected. The way your mouth speaks shows the condition of your heart. Because if you go up to a fig tree and it doesn't have figs, it has something else, it's not a fig tree. In other words, you say you're a Christian, but if people come pick the fruit off your lips and it's bitter and sour, you may not be a Christian. The condition of your heart will show when you open up your heart. You know who else shared that? Jesus. Jesus says, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 45. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. God has given you and I a tongue to speak with wisdom and love, to build and not to tear down. 
That's why we're calling Calvary. Every single time we gather, God, make us more like Jesus. I believe one day, one day soon, we're going to have campuses all over South Florida, perhaps around the world. I'm believing that. But it's so that God can use our tongue to speak life, to build up, to encourage, to inspire, to proclaim, not to tear down. And so what we need is wisdom, Calvary. God, protect our tongue, tame our tongue, so that wherever you take us, people will see Jesus. That people won't come picking the fruit of our life and find bitterness, resentment, anger, curses. Me and Diana, we love watching this show. It's kind of like a survivor type show. They put people on deserted places and you literally got to survive. We were watching this one episode where this guy, he was trying to survive and literally you got to find your food. He was like on nine days of no eating. We're watching this episode like nine days of no eating. That's crazy. There's no Krispy Kreme. There's no McDonald's. There's nothing. Finally, he's, he's walking and he finds this big, nice, beautiful tree. I mean, the guy is, imagine nine days of not eating and you find a tree with some fruit. He's excited. He starts picking the fruit. He goes to town on that fruit. He's so excited. He eats and he's so exhausted. Nine days of not eating. He eats the fruit and he lays down. He knocks out. It's on TV. Real, true story. Real show. He lays down and he knocks out for a couple of hours. When he wakes up, he literally is in pain. He starts to throw up, almost convulsing. He feels a fever come on and the crew has to rush in. Like the director comes in, all the people, the producer, they call in a the doctor. They have to check him. See, the tree looked good, but the fruit was bad. And the local, they brought in a local to see what he ate. And the local person says, this is actually poisonous fruit and you can't eat it. Some of us, I think what James is saying is you look good. You got this tree. And on the outside, it looks like a big, beautiful tree. But when people come to pick the fruit off your lips, it's bitter. It's full of resentment. It's angry. It lashes out. It's not kind. It has no wisdom. And he says, if you want to be like Jesus, speak with wisdom. When you do, you actually sow in love. Today, as we move on to chapter four next week, what a good lesson. Perhaps our words has already started sinking the ship of relationships, marriages, families. Today, we started sinking the ship maybe with things that were spoken over our life. We look back in our past, there's people here today hurting because Words were said that literally put a hole in the ship. And, and it looks like your whole life has just been carrying these curses, this weight, where it was your own mouth that did it. But Father, we thank you that you are a healer. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Whatever you eye closed, every head bowed. Today, maybe you're here watching online and you don't know God. You feel far from God. Maybe you're saying, okay, I kind of get this, but Alex, you don't know me. I'm... I'm so messed up. I've done so much wrong. That may be true. But the Bible also says that he loves us. The Bible says all of us are sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We've all done wrong, thought wrong, said wrong. And our sin separates us from God. But God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son so that whosoever believes in him will not die but have everlasting life. The Bible says that the wages or the price of sin is death. In other words, you and I should have died. Our sin should have killed us. And many times it starts killing us slowly, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Many times even physically, we know that sin kills. But the Bible says that the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In other words, you don't have to let sin destroy you. 
Today you can have life and life to the fullest. The Bible says that Jesus came and he grabbed my sin, your sin, went up on a cross and he died for the sins of humanity. He was the only one that could do it. He was pure, perfect, holy. He paid the price for sin so that you and I could receive the gift of God. They bruised him, they beat him, they crucified him. Took his last breath and he died on that cross. They laid him in a grave. He was dead for three days, but after three days, Jesus resurrected. He overcame sin and death so that today you and I can have forgiveness in life. With every eye closed, every head bowed, here, additional seating, all line. Today, if you're saying, I need Jesus today, today, I've been looking for peace. I've been looking for hope. My life's been destroyed. I've, I've searched everywhere and I have no peace. I can't sleep. I got this heaviness, this burden on my soul. Jesus says, are you tired? Are you weary? Come to me and I'll give you life. I'll give you rest for your souls. That's what he says. With every eye closed, every head bowed, and today if you're here, you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness. I want to repent. All that means is turn around. You were walking in one direction, but you want to turn to your heavenly Father. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Today, if you're saying, that's me, I need Jesus. Wherever you're at, wherever you're listening to this, I'm going to count to three. I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to single you out. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you're saying, I need Jesus today, I need a new beginning. I want the peace of God. I want forgiveness of God. I want the hope of God. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. I just want to see who I'm going to pray for. Hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you, then you can put it right back down. If you need Jesus today, at the count of three, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Raise your hand as high as you can, as high as you can. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. Amazing, 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 amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Awesome, amazing, amazing, amazing. Awesome, awesome. Additional seating, you raise your hand as well. Put your hands back down. I'm going to say a simple prayer. and I'm going to make this first one easy, but I'm telling you, God wants to hear from you. Come on, all of us in one voice, the church out loud from here to additional seating. Repeat with me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Come on, say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, and I'm healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Oh, come on, Calvary, can we put our hands together? Come on. Amazing. Hands went up everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. Those of you who raised your hand, you made the best decision of your life to follow Jesus. And I believe that today, by faith, in a moment, you just became a brand new person. We have a gift for you outside in our Connect tent. In fact, if you raise your hand, I want you to go outside and before you go to Circle Cafe or talk to somebody, just go pick up this gift really quick. 
Uh, there's a coffee mug, there's free coffee in there, a bunch of other stuff, but more importantly, there's a free Bible. And we just want to say we love you, we want to resource you, and this Bible is actually a Bible for new Christians or new believers, so it has a lot of notes to help you understand what you're reading. And today, we just want to make it available to you absolutely free. They might ask for an email, phone number, you don't want to give it, that's fine, but we're not going to call the IRS or any of that. I'm telling you, we just want to give you resources, and we love you. You made the best decision ever. Come on, give them a hand one more time. Thank you, okay, appreciate it. Thankful. He's a good God. He's a good, good God. Hallelujah. Come on, how many of you are going to leave out of here and say, we're not going to sink the ship in Jesus' name? In fact, we're going to build the ship of our lives, our family, our relationship. That was a beautiful song. Come on, why don't we lift up our hands? Father, we thank you. We pray that you would go before us and behind us. Let your glory shine upon our face. God, we pray that we would be builders, that we would speak with grace and love, wisdom, humility. God, help us to be more like you. Go before us this week as we represent you everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on.